0: And the reality is, is that it's a problem regardless of, of size, regardless of, of complexity. Organizations are dynamic. They're fast. People come in and out. Even if it's just a a eight person team, there's, there's that means the eight people are probably moving in, in, you know, at fast speeds and in different directions and keeping everyone up to speed on what the latest development is.
1: Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversation with industry experts and the entrepreneurs who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Statistics show that only 5% of all startups ever achieve annual revenue of a million dollars, and less than 1% actually reach 10 million. Our mission is to help more than double the number of companies that reach each of those thresholds. The voice you heard a moment ago is that of Diana Finley. Diana is the co-founder and client journey leader of the interview group. She has almost 20 years of experience in sales and marketing effectiveness. She is passionate about helping companies improve their ability to consistently communicate their messaging and positioning across all customer touch points. In this episode, Diana helps us break down how and why growing companies absolutely need to make sure the entire organization, both online and offline, are consistent with brand messaging and positioning. I also put her on the spot as we discuss how Interview incorporates their own best practices as their business is growing quickly. Questions and topics we cover in today's episode are why consistent messaging is a key component in growing a business why it is critical to get employees confident in the brand messaging and positioning, and how Apple gets it right, how to most effectively launch new products and or features and benefits, how fast-growing interview is drinking their own wine or eating their own dog food, depending on your, your preference, how they hold themselves accountable for consistency in their own messaging, and plus much, much more. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hi Diana, welcome to the show. Brett, happy to be here. You know, I'm really looking looking forward to the discussion today. Are you joining us from Philly or New Jersey?
0: I am joining you from Interview Worldwide Headquarters in Center City, Philadelphia.
1: Awesome. And should say brand new worldwide headquarters. Brand new.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah. Brand new, just a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks old here, our home.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man, and exciting. So congratulations on that. Thank you. All right. So the way I usually like to to get the, the conversation started is not to talk about uh, job descriptions or titles, but if you know you were at a cocktail party and you meet somebody new, how would you describe to them what you do for a living?
0: I am always prepared for that question. I am the co-founder of a strategic marketing firm that specializes in internal marketing organizations, better align their external brand messaging and their external marketing strategies, with their internal brand representative. Interview was created solely to help organizations rethink, reimagine the way they are engaging their internal teams around their marketing messages.
1: Got it, and I think that, you know, it's so funny that, you know, I think we, you and I at least, have been ranting for, I don't know, a decade might be a little long about the the misalignment Sales and marketing, but you guys are even focused on beyond that, right? Sales marketing all the way to customer success and you know customer service, that message should be should be consistent. And the fact that you know the I don't want to say the world's that broken, but enterprise is still that's disjointed that you actually started a company just focused solely on on that that issue is is fantastic.
0: Yeah, every decade. I won't I won't go back and, and argue whether or not decade is too long or too short, but over years of, of experience and working really working in, in sales effectiveness, we took the experience that we've had over the course of, of many years and really came to this conclusion that where so many organizations were, were falling down wasn't it hardcore selling skills uh, the point of customer interaction we really re- started to recognize that we had great marketing strategies um, creative really compelling ways to draw customers to come through the doors pick up the phones call you know make a phone call and inquire about a product and where they were falling down was the way they were engaging their internal we call them brand representatives every touch point with an organization be it customer care be it in a customer's uh, home or in a retail store is an opportunity to deliver a brand promise a brand message and so many ones really fall down in helping those brand representatives understand what is expected of them both by their organization and by the customer at that point of interaction and that's really what we're focused on is that that point of interaction, that point that we call it the the moment of truth. How ready is your brand representative to deliver on what the customer?
1: Yeah, that's that's so good and, and so true. And I think you, I think a former colleague of both of ours, Tim Cato, when he was on, talked about that zero moment of truth, when the customer has done their research or looked online and has a perspective about your brand, and now you're going con- to connect the, the ambassador, or the representative from the organization with the customer for the first time, and you've only got one chance right at that that first impression. So. Right. I'm, I'm definitely glad you, you you brought that up. And I know we'll get into that a little bit. And so the, definitely the reason I wanted to have you on, on the show was one enterprise is definitely, it's harder <laughs> to drive this alignment, but I think it's important for companies that are just starting to hit the growth phase or thinking about a growth phase to make sure that, you know, this message or brand consistency is part of their their DNA. So the, the two things I wanted to, to cover today, one... Was that about building that into the DNA? And second, knowing that you guys are a fast-growing company, and you're in the, the the space of making sure and helping companies with their brand consistency, you know how you're doing that today. But we'll we'll get to part two of that, you know, later in the discussion. So first, you know, I, I think you, you touched on a little bit uh, just a couple seconds ago. But what is your your definition of a brand you know, dilution or inconsistency? And thinking about it from, again, that, that startup that's really starting to looking to grow their business.
0: Sure. The space, I'll say the space that we typically live in and play in and, and where most of our work exists right now is in large large enterprise, at really truly business to consumer industries. The need there is great. We're all consumers. We all suffer from and, and have experienced brand dilution at some point in our in our standing and putting our credit card into a machine or, or typing it into you know into a uh, onto a website. That is the space that we play in, and we really do work in more transactional selling. I would say. The question we so frequently get asked is, well you know we're not uh, at a large consumer organization but we still have problems. You know, we we still have issues in be it a, a staff type of organization or some sort of cloud service, the, regardless of whether the the company is eight is its existence, six months in or sixty five years in, the the problem of of brand dilution always seems to come up and the way that we define it is, I mean, really thinking about the, the complexity of your, your messaging. How far are the architects of your brand, of your product messaging, how far are they from that end user? And, and what path does it have to travel? Whether it has to travel down the hallway to uh, a room of inbound sales, uh, you know, inside sales call representatives or through an ecosystem of distributors and wholesale partners ultimately to a a retail location that is you know branded with a different name than than the one on the product the dilution happens how much and where is is really an it, sort of an organizational individual problem but the brand certainly that the message we call the game of telephone and in a game of telephone whether there's three people or there's thirty people, you're likely to have some distortion of the message as it goes from from node to node. And that's really how we define it. And I go back to my point that we get asked all of the time about the, you know, well, we're not you know, we're not Home Depot or we aren't that that size and that complexity, yet we still seem to have challenges with you know, with keeping our our messaging straight as it moves through the organization, and the reality is is that it's a problem regardless of of size, regardless of of complexity. Organizations are dynamic; they're fast. People come in and out. Even if it's just a, a eight person team, there's there's that means that eight people are probably moving and in. in you know, at fast speeds and in different directions, and keeping everyone up to, to up to speed on what the latest development is, on some aha that happened when the when the CEO was driving to work, and now he wants to change. He wants to change right. the the product messaging. The issue exists, and one of the things that we talk about in the startup space, and you know, getting this idea of brand uh, brand potency and and ownership of of the brand or control of the brand is to think very, very critically about the places where there's opportunity for a customer to interact with your brand. And then that might not be always in business settings. That might not always be in, you know, standing in in front of a customer, but thinking about the opportunities where someone can live the brand, can talk about the brand, and thinking about those those people, the the people that are going to represent your brand in those we call them the moments of truth, in those interactions. Thinking about that they don't just need to know a they don't just need to know the what and the the products. So much how we enable and how organizations enable those their their brand representatives is focused on the what on the product and that gets people to a certain point that gets to them to knowledge they understand where we focus and, and our you know our sort of differentiator and our our approach is training gets people to that that point of knowledge product information all of the what really filling the gap from knowledge and getting people to a level of belief and, and shifting the, that balance and spreading it out. So people don't ju- know just what the product is, it's really something they believe in and can identify with, and that's when you start to get true brand awareness of people living the brand.
1: Yeah, I like that. Knowledge to belief. I think that's that that's a, a critical piece. And and even circling back a little bit on that, to, I'll probably oversimplify, so correct if, if I'm wrong, and, and thinking, you know, again, applying it back to a smaller business that is going to have an advantage potentially over a larger company that's not as nimble, that has its own operating budgets, that has its own, you're right, objectives, that um, one of the things I like to get folks to focus on is you know the problems that you're solving for the customer. If you can get the organization wrapped around those problems, then it becomes easier than the the features and, and benefits discussion. But but one of the, the the issues I've seen with with the smaller companies is to your point on the founder, right? The CEO is going to say, Hey, I think we're going to change this. Well, if your content on the website says you're doing X and all of a sudden you're meeting in front of a customer and you're talking about Y, they go back to your website and it's different than what you're saying, you've you've kind of already lost, you've lost. The, the trust, right? And to regain that's going to be really, really difficult. So um and maybe that's a, a good transition into, you know, why why is the consistency important across those those different touch points, whether it's online or offline.
0: Yeah, I think I think you I think you just kind of teed it up nicely there from a, you know, there's certainly the customer the customer expectation right and you know everyone wants to know and and cares deeply and rightfully so about what the customer perceives and the customer's expectation we also look at we look at the other side of that conversation and the person who has to deliver the message and the confidence that you want any organization wants someone standing in, in front of a customer to be as confident as, as possible confidence and belief are you know when we talk about getting past knowledge confidence and belief are really what can start to set organizations apart regardless of their size you know you can look at, at brands like apple no one questions what uh you walk into an apple store you just waited 60 minutes for your <laughs> appointment. <laughs> you're they're late and you don't care. And you, the the person standing there wearing that shirt, they breathe. They ooze Apple. They ooze it out of their pores. And the confidence that they have in how they're helping you, and and they're you know fixing your your MacBook and showing you how to make sure that you're you're maximizing all the tools on it. You don't question. People don't question whether or not that. They know what they're talking about. And it's what so many organizations strive towards. And the true differentiator for organizations is that person who's standing in front of the customer. And where the customer came from is certainly an important part of providing that representative, that brand representative, the appropriate level of confidence because their conversation is dictated by that customer's starting point whether it is a, a true sales opportunity a, a true we need to get this this person as a customer to buy our product or whether it's an existing customer who is coming in for some sort of you know product care or billing question, all of those people have impact on the way that the brand is perceived and the way they can deliver on a customer experience and them having the appropriate level of belief and what, and, and again, I go back to confidence in what they're communicating is truly what can set organizations apart.
1: Uh, That's that's so good and so true, and I may uh, I may put you on the spot here because going back to that Apple example, because you're absolutely right. The the employees, you know, they're 100% bought in. You know, I just had to replace the screen on my phone, and one, they're happy to see it. Two, you're right; they they know. You know that they're gonna going be able to solve that problem. Is it a is chicken or the egg type of an approach? What builds that confidence in those employees? Is it the the quality of the product? Is it the training? Is it, or maybe you're gonna tell me it, it's all above? I'd love to hear your your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, uh, we use that one a lot, right? It's one that everyone can i can identify with, both from a business. Sort From of a case study standpoint, and, and a lot of us as consumers, right? And I do think that truly opinion here, I think it's a perfect storm of all of okay. the above. Certainly, product you know, good products, good product awareness, and sort of a fanaticism that exists within the right, and, and it's taken always important to recognize that the, the years that that took to, right. to build up truly, you know, it's. a a, been a long journey for for apple but there's clearly again if you sort of just watch look at an apple store there's clearly a good a good dynamic i won't pretend to know all of the the ways that apple engages and empowers their their people but we know what they do for their consumers and we can, you know, I, I'm an Apple user, I have Apple products. I've rarely walked into an Apple store and not had my expectations met. So there, there's something in there that they get that allows them to connect the you know, amazing creative commercials that I see on TV and my expectations for a product. And the way that the, you know, could be a, an, an 18-year-old sales associate or a 75-year-old sales associate, you see, you really do see the full gamut and have my expectations met. Those are good representatives of the brand. They understand what they're, what they're supposed to deliver and, and have confidence in, in their part in the conversation.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And they do believe in, in that product. Maybe this is a little off topic, but it reminds me, I was just reading a book not too long ago, and maybe Joe Pine or somebody else, I'll add it to the show notes. But he's talking about essentially there's going to be two types of companies in this world. One that saves us time and one we want to spend time with. And you know, Apple strikes me as one of those companies that you want to spend time with. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Really. So it's uh yeah interesting perspective. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I know we talked about the why the consistency is important and you know, if I'm looking at it from my uh smaller business lens, right? If you're looking at conversions and revenue and, and those different disconnects, from a prioritization standpoint, I mean, I know all companies should do everything, but in your opinion, is Mm -hmm. there certain areas that, you know, a, a small business should be focused on as they're going to make sure they get it right? Is it the connection between sales and marketing? Is it product and sales? Where, where would you recommend as a, as a starting spot?
0: Yeah. I mean, in a small organization and this, this comes from as much, experience in being a a fairly small organization and, and comparing it to what we do for larger larger companies it really is the focusing from a marketing and i'll say marketing slash product um i think in a lot of small organizations marketing and and product are in an ideal world are are pretty closely uh close knit but marketing and product to sales making sure that the messaging and understanding what your what the sales people person if it's one person if it's 15 people understanding what the what those sales people are you know what they are saying and hearing in conversations with the customers. Keeping that as dynamic and getting as much feedback as possible, but that really is the prioritization in a small organization. You know the the focus is growing. It's 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 closing more sales and understanding what where some of the, the gaps are in what marketing might be investing in from a messaging standpoint and what the product development looks like and keeping the, 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 the sales conversation as closely aligned is always the
1: priority. No, agreed. And I think (laughs) as you, as you grow, and maybe it's a a phase two or priority to, you know, I've been part of some growing companies and worked with them that you get the, the, the communication and the messaging consistent, you know, through, you know, sales closed one, if you will. And then when you go through onboarding and customer success, that tends to be an afterthought. And I just think with how hard it is to get new customers and the value of keeping, you know, either reoccurring customers or a long-term relationship with the customers that sooner rather than later, they should also think about, you know, that positioning and messaging through the, the entire customer life cycle.
0: Absolutely agreed.
1: And it's easier said than it. it's easier to build it in early than it is to try to rebuild <laughs> later or After. add your change. Exactly. You know, I, I saw of kind of firsthand as kind of a I don't want to say a, a, a strategy. Well, it is a strategy. I think it the the value of being able to create that messaging earlier and consistency is helpful. And you know, I came across uh, an organization, one enterprise, one startup but one piece of the enterprise organization was actually competing against the startup in a space. Yeah. And yeah. as it turned out, the startup was winning every head-to-head matchup. They were charging 2x for basically this, the same product. And they were also, uh, I guess one of the keys to it was simplify, right? So the startup had three SKUs, and more of the the enterprise that was offering the solution had you know two thousand combinations. So again, a little bit off topic, but understanding yeah. that if you get the messaging yeah. right, you have an advantage against some larger, maybe more well-established companies because of that.
0: And well, I, that that is one of the things I, I would add on to when you think about the priorities is along those same lines. From a startup standpoint, there's not very many organizations that have an idea and say, this is our product, this is it, this is our one thing. I would venture to guess that most have roadmap for enhancing current products, for growing the, the product portfolio, for looking at acquisitions to fold into the portfolio. And one thing I would um, add to that list from a from a, you know, thinking about the messaging standpoint is whenever complexity or new products are being added to a salesperson's toolkit when they have more things to sell and the, the company is, you know, reimagining their marketing and, and they've gone through their exercise of, of why they've added this product or why they've developed this product. Strategically and critically thinking about how that impacts the conversation that the the sales team is having, or really any brand representative is having at any point, like you said, across the customer journey, thinking about that and and preparing the 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 customer facing representative ahead of a launch ahead of it going to market and again thinking about those internal representatives as needing to not just have the knowledge of the product or the new product but the belief understanding why it fits in thinking of them as a an audience that needs to be they need to buy into the fact that now they have 16 products to sell instead of 15. Or two instead of one, they need their they need the belief, they need some marketing to have the confidence to not just default back to well, I'm already successful selling what we have. I'm I'm not looking to upset the apple cart here. It's a really hard pivot for organizations to, to make when the scaling isn't just always you know making more of what we have. Sometimes that involves bringing in something new or or we're adding something that we didn't have before.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a fantastic point. And I'm thinking organizations of all sizes are not taking advantage of that. I just know specifically from you know, mid-size and enterprise, if marketing or product's gonna launch something, you know, you may or may not get a PDF that talks about the new features and the benefits. But if you can build that into the culture of the organization when we're launching a new product or a a new complementary service to go with that product, that it is part of, you know, an organizational launch versus just, hey, marketing or products kicking this off, FYI, you guys should know it if you come across it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, FYI yeah. FYI never works, does it?
0: <laughs> it never works. It's it's that is the uh, that is the prescription for a salesperson or really any customer facing person to say, "Well, I don't have to talk about this unless, unless the customer brings it up." And that is not a successful go to market. Not going to be a successful go to market strategy.
1: No, so, so true. That was excellent. Um, All right. So now I'm going to kind of pivot. I said, there's two things that I I wanted to to chat with you today. And and the second is, Knowing that you guys are a fast-growing company, congratulations on that. And two, you're in the business of message and brand consistency. What are you guys doing internally to make sure that what you started with as the, as the brand and as you're growing, that you continue to include that as part of your as your growth strategy?
0: Yeah, it's a great. It is a great question. That's a it's definitely an interesting seat to sit in to, you know, to be a, a, a small startup, but yet see the world in, in complexity. And um, because so many of our, our clients and, and the work that we do is in these large business to consumer organizations, and we'll go back to the years of experience, one of the things that we developed as part of, of interview as a tool to help us in our client de- delivery and actually help us measure the brand dilution. Um, we went through a whole exercise. We, we recently published um, a study with uh, with a research partner with Focus Vision to help. We wanted to make sure that we were, we were right and what we were sort of anecdotally seeing with our own eyes with this idea of you know, the brand message is falling apart and so we developed this tool we call it the brand transfer study and um, it's what we use to help us to help us know how to better message to the internal brand representatives helps us with our clients we can put together an internal campaign to help keep the the message and in, intact as it moves through the organization and after we got it uh, I'll say we've got the, the m- minimum viable product ready was take it ourselves. <laughs> we made sure for, we made sure that we took it ourselves and we made sure that uh, we make sure we we've, we've actually grown quite a bit in the last we've added some new team members in the last couple of months and we're continually having new people take it, making sure that what we are saying even, you know, we're, we're less than 15 people, but in an organization of less than 15 people, everybody has to sell. Everybody has some opportunity to stand in front of a, a client at some point in time. And we need to make sure that we are we are all saying the same thing and that we all believe the the problems that we are solving for are the same. And, and we have the confidence to stand there and, and talk about what we do. And make sure that it, it matches the, the messaging that we're also investing in. So, um, from a, so that is at a, the most literal level, <laughs> we, we do what we do to our clients, yeah. um, on a more, I guess, more sort of functional and practical level. We really do look at, uh, we try to be very maniacal about our marketing strategy and, We're, again, we're we're less than 15 people, but from a marketing standpoint, making sure that campaigns that we are executing, the messaging on our website, um, keeping that the functional stakeholders for those those two departments, for those two areas of the organization, making sure there's accountability to, uh, is what our website says, is that what we're actually doing? for our clients, really having some some of those gut checks. The beauty of the small organization is that we don't have to get a ton of people in a room or set meetings and, and do, really do you know anything too cumbersome other than to make sure that we really are checking that, like some, we call them our little gut checks, or is that what we say, is what we say we do, what we're doing? And um, it's a, mind, it really isn't the size, more
1: of a mindset than an operational. <laughs> yeah, no, that that that's so true. And I, I like the fact that the accountability is a big piece of it. Right. I think that is even beyond mindset. It's to say, hey, this is a company, this is what we're doing. We're gonna hold each other accountable to make sure we do it. Granted, as you get bigger, it's it's gonna get more difficult. But I just want to go back to two things that you know I think you know, you talk about 15 people not being that big, but you also referenced, you know, the game of telephone with three people that that the message can get distorted sometimes. So if you're 5X that, there's already the the opportunity. So I love the the accountability aspect of it. And two, I want to go back and and touch on the the research. And I probably should have done that earlier because it really was eye opening. And again, it was more geared towards larger organizations. And I think historically, the one stat that I used all the time, because it was the one verify that if sales and marketing aren't aligned, even though nobody's really defined what, what a line means, you know, is costing you 10% of top line annual revenue. But what your study actually showed was there's opportunity costs much deeper, much broader, that if you're a smaller company, may not be as noticeable, but if you can clean up and Build that into your process. You know, I I think I think it's a good read for anybody, no matter what size, just to understand what the financial impact of this this dilution or or disconnect is.
0: Yeah, the, the the organizations that can set themselves up to begin to scale and have some understanding of. There are places where they can capture revenue back from from a marketing spend. Most organizations this day, whether it's on SEO or it's on social, there's a marketing spend out there. There's, there's messages going out. And the ability to set yourself up from infancy to make sure that you are thinking about the truly differentiated places that some of that marketing can be captured is really what we're talking about. Speaking about the person who has to actually stand or interact or you know take a phone call from the customer who got that message is organizations that we work with are so big and have have so much complexity that going back to that point of interaction is there can be pain in it. it. It involves a lot of a lot of people, a lot of a lot of parts of the organization. But for a smaller organization to be able to think about those things from the outset, I would say that every single one of our clients, you know, wishes it was something that they wishes something they could go back and, and figure out how to inject into the DNA for sure.
1: Yeah, that, that that's so true. And I think that's actually a really good point to uh, kind of wrap up this this portion of the discussion. So what I'd like to do now is turn it more back on you so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. And this is what we call uh, kind of the closing time round, a little rapid fire, maybe not super rapid fire, but a few quick questions just to to get your perspective on a couple of areas. So if you're ready, uh, let me know and we'll get started.
0: Sure. I'm uh, ready.
1: All right, so first question is, what do you like to do when you're not helping other businesses grow?
0: Well, I am a pretty avid runner. So I like to be running. And I've recently, in the in the last year, with some very dedicated efforts, gotten my kids to the park. I have a, an almost 11-year-old and a student just starting to be able to run with me where nobody or we have to like ride to go home. So
1: that's um, awesome.
0: I find, I find the time for that. I'm a pretty big beach fan. So this is my favorite time of year as well. Running on the beach is like my, that's like heaven, but uh, I'm a, I'm a big summer fan. So I'm, I'm in my glory right now.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, especially Philadelphia, and you know, heading while we are in the heat, we finally transition from we are all like spring into to summer. So I'm with you. I like the heat. I like the humidity. <laughs> Question: Why I live in Chicago full time? Sometimes, but that's for <laughs> well, another is, day. It's a great time. Exactly. All right. So the second one is a, a two part question It started as a, a single question, but got some feedback from some of our listeners that why I wasn't asking our guests, you know, kind of what, what they're reading these days. So, so part one is my original question, which was, you know, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? It doesn't have to be a book. It could be, you know, anything, it could be a movie, an activity, anything uh, that strikes you as you would highly recommend.
0: Well, as a well, a native born in Philadelphia uh, person, I would highly recommend that anyone who has not visited here come spend a couple of days in Philadelphia. There's really not a there's really not a terrible time of year to come. I mean, it's it's obviously cold here in the winter, but um, there's just it's really in the last twenty years has just taken off as a as a city. It has evolved so much since the, the city of my childhood. There's amazing restaurants. Obviously we have a ton of history and despite what people think it is not nearly as unfriendly of a city as <laughs> it gets the reputation for. I can personally attest the fact that i have never once thrown a snowball at santa claus so um there's at least one person here who who is friendly
1: so maybe all those folks are just the the uh philadelphia eagles fans that are taking <laughs> on that persona right? but...
0: it's it's uh it's, it's a rumor gone bad that's what i say
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> nobody to hold it in check it's you know perception is reality so good insight <laughs> to be honest with you i been just briefly to Philadelphia, but that's not a city I've spent a lot of time in. So that's a, a great recommendation. So part two, now you may not have anything based on starting a new company, kids running. <laughs> Is there a, a book you've recently read or a podcast that you've been listening to that you would recommend to folks?
0: Well, I will tell you, I am reading right now. Um, and it's it's been an ongoing, I've been reading it for uh, a couple of months. I'm so i squeeze it in here but i am reading um it's called quiet by susan kane and it is the book's about three years old i believe i think it was published in in 2016. new york times bestseller and it's a really interesting book on a couple of levels for anyone i think just in our society today it is really uh, applicable but it's also from a, a business standpoint and a leadership standpoint and you know, having to work with with people with different personalities and sort of interpersonal communications. The concept of the book is, I think that the subtitle is something about you know being an introvert in a world that can't stop talking or, or something along those lines. And it really is about about the sort of the misconceptions around introverts and the perception and and how the perception has grown that talking is knowledge and it's just really fascinating. It's a fascinating read. There's tons of research cited in it from going, you know, back into the early 20th century. So it's that, uh, it's a really, I'm very much enjoying it. It's definitely a read it with a, you know, a pen or a highlighter and, and make notes book.
1: Oh, that, that's awesome. And I'll list it in the show notes too. So if folks are, are looking for that title and that's something I'll add to my, uh, my ever-growing reading list, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you for for that. And last but not least, we call this last call. What is your drink or beverage of choice?
0: (laughs) So I gave this question more thought than I should admit to (laughs) where I finally, I finally had to like really filter the, okay, if I can only have one more drink, like if this is it, like I was having one more drink a beverage. I'm going with a milkshake. Like oh, I want a milkshake.
1: Nice. All right, Diane, is there anything else that you, you want to discuss before we wrap this up? No, I,
0: I appreciate the time, love the the conversation and, and discussion as always.
1: Awesome. And keep us posted and I'll keep the listeners posted on your progress as you guys continue to uh, skyrocket through this journey. And maybe we'll have you back on another six or 12 months to, to give us an update to where you guys are. I always like to share the success stories of folks that have moved from that, you know, kind of the steady state into to growth mode and, you know, what's working and what, what's not working. So definitely appreciate the, the time today. And if anyone's interested in learning more about you and the work you guys do at interview what's the best place for folks to find you
0: they can check us out on our, our website is um, it's actually interviewgroup.com and that's i-n-n-e-r-v-i-e-w group.com and uh we were pretty active on on linkedin as well you can follow us on on our linkedin page
1: and don't forget the podcast
0: and I should mention that we have a podcast. Yes, I would, John Gall would kill me. Our podcast <laughs> is Brand Interactions. Brand Interactions. You can find us on, on the Apple Store. You can find us on, on Android. Brand Interactions is hosted by one of my, my partners here, John Gall. And we have some great, great guests and some great stories that have been shared about how organizations are, are working on the stuff that we've talked about today.
1: Excellent. And I would highly recommend that. And I'll link to it in, in the show notes, but it's definitely, definitely worth the listen. So again, Diana, thank you so much for your time and we'll look forward to catching up with you in the future. Thanks, Brett. It's been great. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit BrettTrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T followed by his last name, t-r-a-i-n-o-r.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.